Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. So for the sake of our visitors, this isn't what I would call a a normal service, but we're hoping to get to the place where this is normal. (laughs) So we want to get to the place where what God is doing is the main thing. And the things that we had planned were ancillary. (laughs) So, out of obedience, I don't have any notes today. But I do have some things to share. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 4 with me. Unfortunately, I, I think Mark chapter 4 is, is one of those um, passages that is excessively familiar to us so that when we begin to read the parable of the sower and then the explanation, our, our mind tends to do this thing where it, uh, it kind of disengages because, oh, I know this. I'll... I'll keep reading because that's what I'm doing, but I, I know this. So our, our brain resources tend to go off elsewhere, kind of like a, the new computer processors that can multitask and, and your brain starts to do other things. And that's, that's really unfortunate because... There's, there's this verse after the explanation of the parable of the sower that, that I think is, is a key to us continuing to move forward. This guy that I, I know in Australia who probably will be visiting our church in November, he sent me an email that highlighted this one verse out of Mark chapter 4. And it it really wasn't anything in in the newsletter that he said that impacted me, but it was just the reading of the verse and the following verse that uh, just really hit me. And I'm, I'm talking about 
verses 24 and 25. And I just tried to put that into context for you that Jesus is teaching and he he gives the parable of the sower and then he explains it to his disciples. And then... He says in verse 23, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, verse 24, take care what you listen to, period. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. So Lord, I I ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for us this morning in the knowledge of your Son, in the knowledge of your ways, in, in the recollection of what you have said to us individually and, and corporately. I, I've got to read that from the Amplified Bible as well because... I don't think most of the translators are, are doing this passage justice because they, and commentators, tend to give an explanation of, of this passage that, that is pretty superficial, you know, that it, it's about how we treat other people and that if we judge them harshly, that we're going to be judged harshly. And, and that may very well be uh, an application of this passage, but there, there's a much more important application and understanding of this passage, and I, I think the Amplified kind of gets us a little closer there. And it says, And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. For to him who has, more will be given, and from him who has nothing, even what he thought he had will be taken away. So, what that was saying to me is be careful what you're listening to. Because I think I can speak to everyone in here 
Because God has said things to you. Recently, a long time ago, he will be speaking things to you. Are you listening to him? Or are you listening to what the accuser, what the enemy is saying? Because this, this is how this works. We, we know from, from Genesis chapter 2 and 3 that when God speaks, the thing that the enemy wants to do is at first get you to question it. Well, did God really say And if, if you haven't written down what God said, and you really need to do that when, when God speaks, you need to have a journal and you need to write down things that God says. So that when the enemy says, well, did God really say? You can turn to your journal and, and you can say, Yes, God really did say this. Amen. And this is the date. And this is exactly what he said. As I had an, I mean, the Lord's been teaching me out of this passage all week. I woke up one morning this week, and I, I had had a dream that I remembered, which is really, really unusual for me. I mean, it happens maybe twice a year. And, and there was a very encouraging message for me in, in that dream. And, and I'll, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll share it with you. Uh, Phyllis, I was going to tell you about this dream because you're, you're in the dream. Uh, you, you had listened to uh, an anointed speaker and, and three times this anointed speaker had, had said to you that God still has purpose and destiny for Cheyenne Vineyard. Because if, if he didn't, he would have removed us. So that, that's a good word. And the other thing that happened to me that morning is when I woke up, there, there was a date just in, in my spirit. It was very strange, just a, a, a day from years past. So... As soon as I got up, I wrote down that date because I, I knew there was something about that date. And I, I had the impression that I needed to go back 
to my journal and look in that date and see what God had said. And sure enough, that was exactly what I was supposed to do. But my journal happened to be here, so I had to wait a few hours to, to actually get it. And I'm not going to share with you what that was, but it, it was encouraging also. But what the Lord was speaking to me out of this passage is, and, and, and this, this is something that I've believed, but I haven't really had um, Bible passages to support this theology previously, I, I don't think. But I, I mean, there, there are some that kind of generally apply, and that's, that's been good enough up to now. But if, if the Lord speaks to us, and, and you know, the whole, the whole parable of the sower applies to this. Because if, you know, what Jesus said is the, the sower sows seed, and what did he say the seed was? He said it was the word of God. That's not the Bible. I mean, the Bible is the word of God, don't get me wrong, but... There, there was no such thing as our Bible when Jesus taught the parable of the sower. There, there was, let's see, there was this much of it. The Old Testament existed. But Jesus is saying when, when God speaks, this is, these are the responses that people have. You know, it, it, can, it can go right on the path where, where the ground is really beaten down and hard and it's not going to sink in at all and the enemy just swoops down like a bird and steals it right away before it even has any impact. Or it can, can go into that shallow, rocky soil, and, and it might be received with, with gladness, but it gets choked out by the cares of, of life and the, the pursuit of other things, the, the failure to write it down and remember. But Jesus is, he is speaking to the ones who will bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And, and what, what happens with them? That what God speaks finds residence in the soil of, of their heart. And it becomes something that they grab onto, that they hold onto, 
that they don't let go of. And this is exactly the picture that Jesus is giving in verse 25. Whoever has. Now, that's a word that you can easily just kind of gloss over. Well, this, this is a word that means to, to possess. Like to, to have and to hold. You, you, you either possess something, you have it, or you don't. And what a sad thing it is when, when the Lord speaks to us and we let it go. We, we, we don't possess it. We, what we thought we had, we lose. And it's, it's because we're, we're not being careful what we're listening to. And, you know, the, the example that, that just hit me this week is David. And particularly, David at Ziklag. And if, if you want to refresh your memory about this, 1 Samuel 30 and 31. Now, now David, I'll, I'll give you very quick uh, context. He was fleeing Saul. David had been anointed as king over Israel by the prophet Samuel when he was a teenager. Thought, wow, this is great. But then he was sent back to the sheep to keep doing what he had been doing. But if, if, if you want to see someone who, who had who possessed, laid hold of the word of the Lord. This was David. But just before Ziklag, we, we see David going through a time when I'm not quite sure who he was listening to. He, he was not obeying the Lord it, it appeared that he was questioning life, the word of the Lord. Is, is, is any of this really going to happen? And so he's, he's at Ziklag, uh, a city that the Philistine king gave him because the, the Philistine king liked David, he, even though... They had a strange relationship. David pretended to be insane so that he wouldn't be killed. Another one of those uh, 
not real obedient episodes in, in his life, not, not a high level of trusting in his life at that very point. But there, this day arrives when the Philistines are, are going to Israel to, to do battle, to fight Saul, David's enemy, the king of Israel. And the, the king wants to bring David along, but the rest of the elders of the Philistines say, no way, <laughs> he, he's from there. He, he may turn on us in battle, so no way, we're not bringing him along. So the Philistines go to do battle. We're not exactly sure why David and all of his men leave Ziklag, but the Amalekites come and they destroy the city. They take all their possessions, they take their wives and their children, and, and they go. And David and his men, they, they come back to Ziklag. And, you know, they're, they're in shock. In fact, some of the men tell David, I think we're going to stone you today. Because following you has, has really not turned out well for us. And at the same time, the Philistines are routing Israel and they kill Saul's family and Saul ends up dying on the battlefield whether or not he's killed by an Amalekite or commits uh, suicide, we're not exactly sure. <clears throat> but it's... And, and David doesn't know that, that this is happening. They, he, he didn't get text messages from the battlefield in Israel, and nobody sent him video of Saul dead on the battlefield or photos or anything. But this, this is the day that, that would be the greatest turning point in, in David's life, and, and he doesn't even know it. But, but this is the thing that set David apart. You know, we, we probably have more record of David doing wrong things than, than any other person in the Bible, just because we have so much detail about his life. But he was the man after God's own heart. And, and it says in, in 1 Samuel 31 that, I, I mean... There's, there's the verse, and, and maybe I, I should just look it up so I can read it to you because it's the, the way the story is told, it really tells us something.
Yeah, verse 6 of chapter 30. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And those few words made the difference between David fulfilling his destiny and quite probably it being lost. If, if, if he had not held on, If, if he did not have that word of the Lord in, in Jesus' words, uh, what he thought he had probably would have been lost. And he probably would have been stoned and God would have had to raise up another to make covenant with and bring Jesus into the lineage of. So, we, as, as the people of God, who, who God has spoken to, we, we have got to stop listening to the enemy. We, we got to stop listening to the enemy about who we are, about our destiny, about what is possible and not possible. And, and we got to hold on to what God has said. Because David, he, when, when he was at this place in Ziklag and his men were ready to stone him, he didn't know that God was making the way for him to be king just not that many miles away. And, and this, I mean, this is such a picture of, of the way that God works. If, if you think God is, is, is getting late and, and he's wasting time, it's, it's probably not yet time for him to act. If, if you think it's too late and there is no possible way for it to happen, it's probably just around the corner. Because that is what happened to David. It, and, and 
What, what did he do? To, he strengthened himself in the Lord, but what, what is that? It's, it's something that we were doing earlier. Psalm 18. I, I think the intro to this psalm should, should be written a little bit differently. For the choir director... A psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Because <laughs> on, on that day, David still didn't know about Saul. That's why I, I think it should be a little different. But this, this is a psalm of praise and worship. This is how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. <laughs> we, we give a sacrifice of praise. And... A sacrifice of praise is, is giving the Lord what he deserves when the circumstances around you tell you that he doesn't deserve it. But you, you know that there is a higher truth than circumstances. And as, as the people of God, we have got to get that. Are, are we moved by circumstances or are we moved by what God says? I, I mean, look at David at Ziklag. If, if anybody should have been moved by circumstances. It was him. I mean, this, this is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Because here we have David who, in, in the previous few chapters of 1 Samuel, he, he, he's not being an example of obedience to God. And he, he's not being an example of a man of faith. He's, he's lying, and his lying costs the death of most of the spiritual leaders in Israel. And, and he, he fakes being a madman so that the king won't kill him. But, but David understood that his standing with God 
And God's faithfulness to his promises were, were bigger than his sin. God's faithfulness was bigger than David's unfaithfulness. God's faithfulness was, was bigger than other people's sin. So who are you listening to? Will you possess the words of the Lord to you and and stand on them in in spite of how everything looks? Because I don't care what you're going through, it's not as bad as David at Ziklag. When the men you've been sowing into, uh, running with, leading for years they're they're all ready to kill you because they've you and they have just lost everything but suddenly god If, if you're in a, a difficult place, consider this. Is, is it bad enough yet for a suddenly from God? If it can get worse, it may. But don't despair. Because if it can still get worse, God has time. It's, It's only when things absolutely possibly could not get worse that you better start looking to heaven. Because if you have a word of the Lord to hold on to, it's about time for something to happen. Yes. These things remain for eternity. Faith, hope, and love. Build up those muscles.
because they'll be with you for eternity. I love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. And I think, I think David wrote this and prayed this before they followed the Amalekites and got all their stuff back. In fact, it, it had to be. I, I just got that revelation. Because they actually caught up with the Amalekites in the evening and they slayed them until the next evening. So the only way that David could write this on the day that God delivered him from Saul was if he wrote it before they went after the Amalekites. So this is a psalm of a sacrifice of praise. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies, even the ones right next to me who are ready to stone me. The cords of death encompassed me, and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of hell surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. <laughs> and the foundations of the mountains were trembling. Do you think that God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish? Yes. <laughs> ah. Be careful who and what you're listening to. Don't let the voice of circumstances be louder than the voice of God. because circumstances may be real but there is a higher truth and there, there is a higher understanding of circumstances that only happens when we look back upon them and see the faithfulness of God. Father, I, I thank you 
for today. I thank you for your great faithfulness. I thank you that the callings and giftings of God are without repentance. I thank you that the only one who can prevent your word from coming forth in our lives is ourselves. So I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith. I pray that you would remind us of the words that you have spoken, that we would write them down and we would war with those words. that we would be the 30, 60, and 100-fold believers. God, give us good soil in our hearts. Give us patience to wait on you. God, heal our perspective of circumstances. So many things are just opportunities for you and for us to trust you. So, Lord, as, as we... As we give heed to your words, as your word says, speak to us more. Give us ears to hear. So that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the glory of your Son. Amen.